0: Beloved, our text this morning is from Ruth chapter 1, verses 15 through 18, where we read these words of Naomi to Ruth, and she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee. Or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me." When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. Well, the last time we considered the significance of the word turn or return, really the Old Testament idea of repentance, of turning away from sin and turning back to God. We saw the beginning of Naomi's return. Prompted by the news that the Lord had visited his people with bread in the land of Judah. And say Naomi returns. Her two daughters-in-law following her. And then she bids them return back to Moab because there's no future for them in Judah, in the land of Israel. If you remember, Orpah kisses her mother-in-law and goes back into Moab. A fatal kiss. A sign of where she's at spiritually. Returning back to her gods. Returning back to her family. Returning back to the prospects of a pagan marriage. But we also saw that Ruth clave to her mother-in-law. That word clave going back to Genesis. We read that Adam and Eve, after Adam and Eve were were married in the garden, God told them that they would cleave one to another. This idea of marriage, of this this closeness, this this intimate union. Speaking of that marriage which was to come in, in the land of Judah for Ruth. We could already say living by faith as she clung to her mother-in-law. But what hope would there be for Ruth? What hope would there be for someone who has lived in in Moab? And if we transfer that question to today, what hope is there for someone living in the the Moab of this world today? Today? What hope is there for someone who wants to return to the Lord, who has never tasted of his covenant mercies before? What hope is there for someone who wants to leave the Moab of this world behind? What what hope is there for someone who is being tempted to go back to Moab with with the human reasoning and the allure of Moab in spite of its emptiness? Well, we learn from our text this morning that there is hope. In our faithful God, there is hope in the Redeemer. There is hope in the divine visitation of God to humanity in the person and work of Jesus Christ. It is this very hope that Ruth expresses as she is drawn out of the far country of Moab into the near land of promise, the land of Israel, the land of Judah, into the heavenly Father's house of grace and mercy. She returns. She repents of her life in Moab and turns to God in his fullness. Her cleaving to Naomi and her confession in these verses stands in, in sharp contrast to Orpah, who ultimately kissed redemption goodbye. Ruth's confession this morning stands as a testament, as a witness of hope and redemption and anticipation for sinners who are living in a country far away from God. In a sense, what we have here is the Old Testament parallel of the parable of the prodigal son. The prodigal son was in a far country. Ruth was in a far country. Both of them drawn there by the father's kindness. Both of them drawn because of the provision of bread. Drawn there because of the father's love. And so our theme this morning is is simply this, out of a far country. Out of a far country. Ruth returns from a far country to the Lord's place. Out of a far country to the Lord's place. Once more, Naomi speaks to Ruth. She tries to persuade Ruth to return to Moab. To follow Orpah, her sister-in-law, her reasoning parallels that of earlier verses where she, where she highlights the, the maternal bond, the, the protection, the prospects of future marriage in Moab. In verse 15 she says, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. Not only does Naomi try to persuade Ruth to go back to Moab, she persuades her to go back to her family and to her gods. And who was the god of the Moabites? It was the god Chemosh, a god who demanded human sacrifice. It's almost unthinkable what Naomi is, is counseling Ruth to do. Go back to your gods. Go back to this God who demands human sacrifice. Naomi's words echo in Ruth's mind. Return thou after thy sister-in-law to your people and to your gods. She highlights the connection between family, ethnicity, and religion. For Ruth to leave Moab and return with Naomi to Judah would be to leave life as she knew it. If she returns with Naomi, she she would be an alien in a strange country. But Naomi counsels her to return to the far country of Moab. Because Ruth would be a stranger, would be an alien in Israel, Naomi counsels Ruth to go back to the familiar. Go back to what you know. Because if you're going to follow me, it's not going to be an easy life. You'll be marginalized. You'll be ostracized. You'll be seen as a stranger. You'll be seen as an alien. You'll be made fun of. You will not have a future. You will not have a marriage. Just go back. Naomi wasn't seeing it at that moment. There's not much evangelistic zeal here. Maybe that's how we approach evangelism sometimes. We, we want to invite people to church and we, we start making all these excuses and say, well, you might not feel entirely comfortable. You might feel a little bit out of place. Oh, beloved, aren't we setting roadblocks in front of these, these people? Aren't we to draw them in with the loving kindness of the Lord and say, come and listen. Come and listen to the Word of God. Come and listen to the Gospel. Come and listen to, to the, the good news that is there for sinners. So much, so often we are like Naomi. We want people to come along and yet we, we, we don't want them to leave the familiar. We, we're afraid they're going to feel unfamiliar. We're, we're Afraid they're going to feel like strangers. But aren't we then underestimating the grace and the provision of God in the gospel that takes strangers in and makes them part of the household of God, part of the people of God? Is it perhaps that we're speaking out of our own hopelessness, that we aren't living out of the grace of God ourselves, though we have known it before? Like like Naomi here, speaking out of her hopelessness, speaking out of her cynicism regarding the, the providence of God in her life. On one hand, we have this desire to draw others in, and yet we push them away by setting down these qualifications and building these roadblocks in their way. What will Ruth do? How how will she respond to Naomi's counsel? Will she turn back to her place, to the familiar in the land of Moab, or will will she turn to the Lord's place? Listen to her words. They are words of hope, And they are words of rebuke to Naomi. And I believe they are words that speak of the gracious change that has taken place in her soul, in her inmost being. These are not merely empty words, these are words of anticipation for the fullness of God that lies in the very land of Israel, that that Ruth saw by faith, that Naomi did not see in those moments. They are words of return. Words of repentance. Words that indicate that that Ruth has left the far country and has entered into the place of the Lord. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or return from following after thee. Stop it, Naomi. Ruth turns it this this reasoning on its head and she applies gospel reasoning to Naomi's human and hopeless and cynical reasoning. She says, stop asking me to return to Moab. Stop asking me to stop following you. I'm cleaving to you. I'm bound to you. My future is bound to your future. There's more than just a A common bond of of loss and of grief and of widowhood here. There is more here than just the common bond that ties them together. There's a desire on the part of Ruth to, to go with Naomi. We don't know how or what Ruth heard about the Lord from Elimelech or from Naomi or from her own husband. While he was alive. But we can mark this that Ruth had heard of the Lord. Ruth had heard the people of the Lord. Perhaps in a better time in Elimelech's family, a happier time. They had spoken of the Lord's ways. Maybe Naomi at first shared with, with Ruth that the Lord had visited his people with bread divine visitation to the land of Judah, the city of Bethlehem, the house of bread, now once more has become the house of bread. She has heard of the covenant of God through which He includes strangers like her. Her heart was, was moved was moved by the good news that she heard, not just to follow after Naomi, but to follow after the Lord. And so she's determined to return to His place of blessing, to His place of fullness. And so she says to Naomi, stop. Stop telling me to return to my people. I've come out of the far country. But Ruth says more. She says, wherever you go, I will go. Let those words sink in for a moment. Where you go, I will go. She's cleaving to Naomi now. And that cleaving is expressed with words of confession and return. Where you go, I will go. It doesn't matter that she doesn't know her future in Judah. It doesn't matter that she will be ostracized or ridiculed as a foreigner and alien by the Bethlehemites. She only knows that the Lord has drawn her close And she's determined to go to his place of blessing with Naomi. Moab is empty and can't deliver. That much she knows. And she also knows that it's only God who can fill and deliver her soul. Are you tired of Moab, my friend? Moab and its Chemosh that demands human sacrifice. That demands your soul and will consume it in the fires of destruction. Are you tired of Moab that promises pleasure and fullness but in reality hides all of that with a cloak of emptiness? You've heard That there is fullness in Judah. Have you heard that the Lord has visited his people? He has visited humanity in his own person, in his own son. Now the question is if you have heard these things, if you have heard of grace, and of redemption, and of fullness? Will you put to silence the reasoning of the world? Will you commit with Ruth as evidence of a heart that loves the Lord with His language of return, with His language of repentance and cleave to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, wherever you go, I will go? To follow the Lord in faith. And faith does not know what the outcome will be necessarily. We know on a grand scale, the big picture, what the end will be. And so we follow the Lord in faith because of the promise of life and of fullness as we follow the Lord in faith, we do not know all the, the twists and turns of, of the life of faith. And that can be a fearful thing. I'm sure it was for Ruth. Leaving all the familiar behind. Leaving her family behind. Leaving the prospects of marriage behind. Certainly, fear. But faith, you see, triumphed over fear. Faith in the promise that there was fullness in the land of Judah, fullness in the place of the Lord. Are you determined this morning to come to the place of fullness in Jesus Christ? Is that desire stirring in your soul this morning? I urge you not to ignore that desire this morning, but to let it draw you into a firm and and resolute commitment to return to the Lord's place where He nurtures strangers. Where He nurtures aliens and He treats them as His own sons and daughters. He bids you to come out of a far country, out of the far country of Moab and the world, and, and come to His place. To say, where you go, I will go. It's also a question for backsliders this morning, isn't it? Have you slipped back into Moab? Have you listened to the seductive voice of the world and said, let me enjoy this just, just one time? And then one more time and one more time. But now the Lord calls to you this morning. He calls you to renew your commitment of faith. As the word of the gospel confronts you again this morning to to come out of that far country. To return back to the Father's house where there is bread and enough to spare. To say again, where you go, I will go to return to the Lord, to repent of your sin, to confess your backsliding and return to the Lord's place. It's a word to believers as well, to stay where you are, to stay where you are near to the heart of the Father, to stay in the place where He visits where he communes with his own to know the sweetness and the fullness of his fellowship through his Son and by his Holy Spirit. Where you will go, I will go. Ruth anticipates blessing in the Lord's place. And so she returns from a far country. But she returns from a far country, not only to the Lord's place, but also to the Lord's protection. As Naomi counsels Ruth to return to Moab, she counsels her to return to its supposed protection, the protection of family, the protection of a future. But there is no protection in the barren wilderness of Moab. There is no spiritual protection in her mother's home. There is no protection in pagan marriage. Ruth has come to learn this by the grace of God. She will not return to be exposed again. She says in verse 16, And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Wherever you go, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Why does she say that? Because the place of lodging was a place of safety. It was a place of protection from the darkness of the night. Children, when your parents go to bed, what do they do? They, they lock the doors at night. Their safety in knowing that you're, you're going to sleep in a house that is locked. A dwelling place where you can be safe and secure. The home was to be a place of protection. The only lasting protection would be found in the family of God. That's what Ruth is indicating as she, as she leaves behind her maternal home and everything that's familiar and trades it for a strange country and a strange home. speaks to the hospitality, the love of the stranger, the protection that is to be found in the place that is near to God. She has tasted of the love, the loving kindness of the Lord, and she will not turn back to the inhospitable nature of Moab. trades the hostile wilderness of Moab for the protective lodging of the place of God. She trades the restlessness of Moab for the rest of the promised land. She leaves at great cost to herself. She leaves all that is familiar and familial in Moab. She returns to the Lord's faithfulness and lodges there. She leaves an insecure lodging in the land of Moab to a spiritually secure lodging in the place where the Lord visits His people. where are you lodging this morning, beloved? Are you determined like Ruth to lodge in the place of the Lord's protection? This protection that's developed even further in, in Ruth chapter 2 verse 12 where Ruth says that, she, or Boaz says that Ruth has come to, to dwell under the, the wings of the Almighty the refuge of the Almighty? Are you perhaps counting the cost of leaving Moab? Let's set it straight this morning. Look at Moab. Look at it. It's inhospitable. It is insecure. In modern language we can say it will chew you up and spit you out and and keep asking for more. It will discard you without any concern. It will look for its next victim and just leave you at the side of the road. Maybe you've experienced the violence of sin, the ugliness of sin. The damage of sin, the deadliness of sin. You've seen what it can do to your own life. And you want out. Well, here's an out this morning. The Lord offers His place, His place of protection. There is hope for strangers under the wings of the Almighty. He can and will deliver to the uttermost. If there was hope for Ruth, there is hope for you this morning. Maybe you're like the prodigal, homeless and wandering. Come and lodge where there is is lasting eternal protection. Where thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Believer, is this your confession again as you return to your Redeemer? You see, the Lord invites again with hope-inducing, life-giving confession with this confession of Ruth. He indicates who He is for His people. You see, we are not to terminate We are not to end in Ruth. We are to move beyond Ruth and see the God that she is confessing and who that God is for her. As it plays out in her life, as she follows Naomi, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. The why question is answered as we follow through those words and see that it is God who is standing behind those words. And what he offers, a place of protection from the ravages of Moab, to the place of protection. But thirdly, Ruth returns from a far country to the Lord's people. There's a break here from our own people, to join the covenant people of the Lord she commits to those people in faith a people that she doesn't know apart from Naomi she says thy people shall be my people this is covenant language this is covenant language reflected from Exodus 6 verse 7. God says these words and I will take you to me for a people and I will be to you a God. It's echoed again in Hosea 2 verse 23b. I will have mercy upon her that had not obtained mercy and I will say to them which were not my people thou art my people. This is the background of Ruth's confession. This is how we need to understand her words this morning. Your people, my people. What is she doing? In a sense, she is inverting. She is reversing the order of God's words. She is responding to God's words to her. She had learned of the covenant of God in which God said, Those who are not my people shall be my people. And she's saying now, your people will be my people. This is the only foundation upon which she could make this confession. Otherwise, we would say Ruth is being presumptive. She's responding to something that's not there. But her response is something to to that which God has already done. God had already taken her into covenant with himself by faith or through faith in the promises. God had already spoken those words of Exodus 6 verse 7. I will take you to me for a people. And Ruth responds with this confession. says, your people, my people. Isn't this what Paul says in Ephesians 2 verse 11 through 13, the, the New Testament equivalent of what Ruth is expressing here about the power of God's covenant grace, His covenant faithfulness, His loving kindness, His chesed as we say in the Hebrew language. Paul says there in Ephesians 2, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. You see, this is the foundation. This covenant. This is the foundation upon which Ruth stakes her confession. The sheer grace of God to her as an alien from the commonwealth of Israel, as a stranger. It is to that which she responds with these words. Thy people, my people. It's as if her confession, if her confession is shortened in these words. The word shall be is italicized in our translation. It's not there the original language it's a remarkable part of her confession thy people, my people it's amazing over against the words of Naomi to her, go back to your people and Ruth says no no there will be nothing that can induce me to go back to my own people Because your people, my people. Because God is behind your people. Your people is a chosen people by God. So she trades her own people and everything that it entailed. Her customs, her religious practices, her blood relations, her language for the people of God. She counts it more valuable to be counted with God's chosen people than to be counted with the people of Moab. Her, her entire identity is changed in these words and wrapped up in the covenant promises and people of God. No matter what happens, she will identify with God's people. She'll be part of that community that worships the Lord. Ruth evidences the great divide that exists between the people of Moab and the people of God, between those who are in the world and those who belong to God. She shows a distinguishing mark of grace here, an identification with God's people. She loves the people of God because God has taken her to be one of His own. This is what John writes, doesn't he, in 1 John 3.14. Hereby we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. That's what Ruth is saying here. Thy people, my people. I have passed from death to life and I love your people. Not just because they're your people, but because they're God's people. And here we see the beauty of the grace of God at work in the life of this foreigner and stranger. But what is your confession this morning? It's a probing point, isn't it? Will you identify with the people of God? As the people where God delights to work His grace and fulfill His gracious promises, will you identify heart, soul, mind, and strength? with those who are by nature inconsistent and stumbling and sinful and hurtful and yet still close to the heart of God because of His grace to them? Will you worship with those who worship God in sincerity? Oftentimes people turn their backs on religion, on the faith, because of how the people of God have treated them. But if anything, here, Ruth teaches us the tenacity of faith in spite of the mistreatment of people. Naomi does everything to discourage her from, from following her, yet, Ruth's hope in life is bound, bound up in identity with the people of God. Will you stick it out with the people of God? No matter how discouraging it seems. Will you take hold of this this promise, as it were? You're, you will be my people. And on that basis say, Lord, your people, my people. You see it transcends human relationships. This confession. It's centered in a relationship. It's grounded in a relationship with God. But maybe this morning you think your friendships with the world are more important. You find more satisfaction with those relationships than with relationships with the people of God. Let me remind you this morning that those relationships are temporary. They are selfish in nature. Self-directed, founded on self-interest and not the worship of God. That is ultimately, we need to remember what drew Ruth to the land of fullness. was the worship of a covenant-keeping God. And so I urge you this morning, those of you who are engaging in those relationships with the world, only in those relationships, to forsake those relationships that are hindering you from turning to the Lord, turning to His people. Instead, use those relationships to draw others to Christ. But your relationships often show where your heart is, don't they? Is it with the Lord and his people? Or is it with Moab and its people? Ruth returns from a far country to the Lord's place, to the Lord's protection, to the Lord's people. But behind it all, we know that Ruth returns to the Lord's person, to the Lord Himself. This is the, the climax, the height of her confession, Of what follows now in the words of her confession. Thy people, my people. Thy God, my God. These two are parallel statements, aren't they? Thy people, my people. Thy God, my God. They go together. They go together and yet Ruth's confession is is, is, is rising higher. It's going from mere people to the person of God. It expands on the idea of covenant again. She, she reverses the language of covenant. Where God says, I will be to you a God, Ruth says, Thy God, my God. She owns the Lord as her own. She's responding to the covenant of God. I will be to you a God. And Ruth returns to the Lord and she says, Yes, your God, my God. My God, Ruth is expressing what has already taken place in her heart, that God has taken up residence there by His grace. God is the reason why Ruth clave to Naomi in the first place, why she would not be persuaded to return to Moab. There's something greater than this relationship with Naomi. <clears throat> A few moments earlier, Naomi had held up the gods of Moab. Return to your gods. And Ruth says, no, your God, my God. Ruth has turned from the place, from the far country to the place of fullness in the very presence of God. She will not settle for anything less than God himself. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus says in Luke 6 45. What is your heart speaking about this morning? Will it end in God? Can you say with Ruth this morning, as it were, your God, my God, I will settle for nothing less than your God and to call him my God? The one who my soul needs for cleansing, for filling, for communion, for fellowship. Will you hold fast to God in your confession? Will your confession, and not just the words of your mouth, but the affection of your heart, be focused on this that God is your God for the sake of Jesus Christ? And that you can no longer live without Him and you cannot go on living without Him. That you need communion with Him restored. You'll be happy and blessed with none else. When the gods of Moab beckon, will God fill the horizon of your life. So that a glimpse of who He is for a stranger and pilgrim like yourself is Enough. Some people will have all the things that Ruth confessed. You want protection. You want community. You want a place of fullness. But you don't want it with God. Would you really rather choose the gods of Moab? rather than the God of redemption who can turn your life around from sin to serving Him. You want the benefits but not the Redeemer. But you can't have the benefits first apart from the Redeemer. You need the Redeemer first. You need Christ You need God if you're ever to enjoy those benefits. And then it won't be about the benefits anymore. But it will be about God himself, you see. Comes back to the words from Joshua 24. Choose you this day whom you will serve. God calls you to serve Him through the words of Ruth's confession. These words are words of hope, words of life. Maybe you want to confess these words this morning. You say, my confession is not nearly as robust as Ruth's. It's not nearly as strong as Ruth's. I am weak, I am faltering, I am full of sin. How can how can I confess that this God is is my God? I mean look at myself. What can I say to you that's exactly the problem? That you're looking to yourself. That on the basis of yourself you'll never be able to make such a confession? but if you look beyond yourself to God in His fullness, the fact that He delights to visit His people with grace and mercy and invitation to come, then, then you can say, my God, because then it doesn't hinge on you, it hinges on God, and God cannot lie, and God will not let you down, God will not forsake the work of His own hands. If you have tasted that the Lord is good, then you can confess with Ruth, albeit weakly and trembling, your God, my God. The Lord calls you to rise and return from that far country to the Lord Himself. Nothing else will do. Nothing else. Confession of a holy, faith-filled anticipation of what is coming in Bethlehem. What has already taken place in Ruth's heart. God has visited her. Not just in Bethlehem, but in Moab. God has drawn her out of Moab. God has awakened her to her own sin and to The righteousness of God revealed in Bethlehem. In the God-man Christ Jesus. By faith Ruth had learned to see that and she said in my father's house there is bread and enough to spare. And she rose up and she followed Naomi out of the land of Moab to the land of fullness. Just like the prodigal son. So Ruth comes from Moab. She clings to the Lord even if it means losing everything in her life that she knew. Even if it meant hardship in the turns and twists in the land of Judah. She cleaves not only to Naomi but she cleaves to the Lord. My God. My God. By faith she clings to God. Will you say the same this morning? your God, my God. When we consider the move of God to man, the movement of redemption from heaven to earth. The fact that God moves first and calls us to respond to Him. It's not presumption to lay hold on Him. We love, the apostle says, because... He first loved us. He delights to be taken hold of in the gospel. In fact, He is honored when a sinner comes and returns from Moab. He draws sinners from a far country lovingly and freely. Come. Come and rise and return out of that far country to the Lord Himself. To the Lord's person, the one who shows grace because of who he of who he is—sheer, one-sided, sovereign covenant grace—that enables Ruth, in our final thought, to return, not just to the Lord's place and to the Lord's protection and to the Lord's people, and to the Lord's person, but to the Lord's prospects. She doesn't know what's coming, but she puts her stake down in the land of Judah, the land of Israel, and the prospects that await her there. She confesses her commitment to the Lord and to Naomi. Verse 17, she says, Where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried. Well, you say, well, that's not very much hope, is it? That's a dead end. She's thinking about death and dying. What prospects are there for dying in a foreign country? and Being buried there. Well, it's home for Ruth. And it's indicated, it's reflected in these words. Typically in the Old Testament, burial meant that those who died would be buried in their, their home city. On the land purchased for their burial. Ruth's hope is tied to a Redeemer that she doesn't see yet. Tied to a land that she doesn't own yet. Recall what happened to Joseph's body as it was carried back to the promised land. Joshua twenty-four thirty-two. we read, In the bones of Joseph which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem in a parcel of ground, which Jacob bought of the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver. It became the inheritance of the children of Joseph. This is just one instance, but almost always, almost always there's a close connection between burial and an individual's place of residence and inheritance. And so Ruth's statement here is more than just a simple statement of dedication and loyalty to death. She's not just saying here, Naomi, I'm going to follow you until I die. There's much more than that operating here. It's a statement of prospects for death and burial in land that she did not own. In a home that she did not yet see. In a redeemer that she had not yet met face to face on a human level in the person of Boaz. And from Scripture we can argue that this is more than just a place of burial. And the place where she's going to die. It gives us a view beyond the grave. It's a statement of hope an anticipation that travels beyond the mere prospect of death and burial and looks ahead to the prospect of the resurrection. Part of Old Testament burial and death had the hope of the resurrection. If you read Psalm 16, other psalms, There's a looking ahead to resurrection. Burial is always done in anticipation of resurrection. And for believers, heavenly inheritance the raising of the body to a glorious body. So Ruth is looking beyond the grave. Ruth is looking to the future, a glorious future in heaven. It's not a stretch to argue this. She further underscores her commitment to God and Naomi with an oath The Lord, do so to me and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Her allegiance to the Lord. The Lord has found her in a far country. He's brought her to His fullness and she commits herself wholly to Him now with the very reality of that the curse of a broken oath would be hers. She's saying, The Lord, strike me dead. If anything but death separates me and you. Her oath is a signal to Naomi that she's in it for the long haul. She will be faithful to God and to Naomi until death puts separation between the two of them. She's cast her law in with the Lord. She will not be stopped. She will not return to Moab. She returns to the Lord, the prospect of His faithfulness to uphold her oath and to bring her forth again from the grave. What a beautiful confession this is this morning. The grace of God that takes one in from a far country. He takes this young woman, a perfect stranger, an alien, works in her heart so that she confesses with her heart that she belongs wholly to the Lord, even to death and beyond. Are you ready for such a commitment? Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 19, 29, and everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. This is at the heart of Ruth's confession. At the heart of yours. Ruth's confession has a silencing effect on Naomi. I read in verse 18, when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. She hears Ruth's words and she stops persuading. As one commentator says, her mother-in-law has nothing more to say. She's been determined in telling Ruth to stay in Moab. Ruth, however, has been equally, if not more so, resolute in her desire to go with Naomi. This shows the power of confessing who God is. The power of an evangelistic witness. Sometimes produces a positive response. Sometimes it produces silence. Silencing the voices to return to Moab. Naomi's response was silence. Silence because of a bitter soul that, Lord willing, we will see next time. Perhaps silence because of such conviction from a foreigner who was from a far country and who grasped the gospel of redemption and the covenant mercies of God better than Naomi herself in those moments. Beloved, what will your response be to Ruth's confession this morning? Will it be one of silence, of being set in your place, but returning to the Lord? Will it be one of returning with Ruth, as it were, this morning, to sit at the feet of the greater Boaz, contend to be overshadowed by his wings, protected there by his grace? communing with Him there's no better place to be than to follow Ruth into the promised land to the presence of God where He visits where He feeds and protects His people and so we invite you once more out of a far country, to come out of a far country again, and return, return to him. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, how we thank thee for who thou art. We thank thee for this confession, one of the most beautiful confessions recorded in scripture. One of the most beautiful descriptions of who thou art for thy people. May we grasp, Lord, the theology of this confession. May we grasp by faith the God of this confession and be filled and satisfied with who Thou art. Lord, bless Thy word now to our souls that as we go home and meditate and speak about these things, it would form and shape our thoughts of Thee, our commitment to Thee, our confession of Thee before others and before a watching world. Draw us, O God, and we will run after thee. That was done so this morning, so how can we not but run? Hear us, we pray, for the sake of thy beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.